Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Rapino gets the crossing. It's the watch one. Welcome to Upfront, a brand new weekly women's football show here on Football Ramble Presents. I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. We'll be here every Tuesday on the Football Ramble Presents feed with the biggest stories from around the women's game. We'll dive into the WSL every week, bring you news from women's football around the globe and talk to those at the cultural heartbeat of the game. Gruner, van der Sander, drives it across, brilliant header. On today's show, the Seagulls keep on soaring as Brighton climb to third in the WSL with a win over Jean-Luc Vasseur's Everton. We take a look at Brighton's transformation, how Hope Powell is working her magic. Also, we check in with the championship as Chloe's got plenty to shout about. And we're left scratching our heads after Arsenal set up an all-male advisory group for club matters, including growing the profile of the women's game. Let's wait for that because I feel like it's going to be pretty spicy. Um, So we'll just ease our way into proceedings um, today, warm ourselves up a little bit before we get into that chat. Um, New manager in the WSL in this kind of sort of more cutthroat era of the WSL. I think we touched on it a little bit. I mean, Rachel, I think you did anyway about how you kind of were a bit frustrated with the impatience that Everton had shown Willie Kirk, but it's too late now. Jean-Luc Vasseur is in the job, former Leon manager. So I guess we kind of got to forget about that, but I do agree with you. Uh, first game in charge and Everton lose it 1-0 against Brighton. You were there. Terrible weather. Um, I mean, what a welcome to England. What a welcome to Merseyside. Couldn't have been worse conditions. And they lost the game. They did. Um, Yeah, the conditions were absolutely awful. It was definitely a welcome to England moment, I think, for Jean-Luc Vasseur. Um, It's an interesting one for Everton because, as we touched on last week, Willie Kirk was not given very much time. Uh, And post-match, Jean-Luc talked about it being a process and we need to have patience. And, you know, which, if you're bringing in a new manager... 
midway through the season, you can't... Because you clearly want results. Well, yeah, but also, like, re- realistically, what do you expect them to do in kind of... They've had, what, five, six games under Willie mm. Kirk? Um, what do you expect them to do with a whole lot of new players that he didn't sign? Yeah. You know, um, I think it was Amy Ruski from Goal who touched on that kind of... You know, it's going to take him a couple of transfer windows to, to get the people he wants in, to get the style of football that he wants. Um, so I'm kind of looking at Everton saying, have you decided that, you know maybe this season isn't the season to maybe reach top three, um, realistically. But then on the flip side, why did you get rid of Willie Kirk, if that's the case? Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a conundrum for me. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I, I also think it's just quite funny how um, everyone has to refer to Jean-Luc Vasseur by his full name. You can't just say Vasseur. It has such to be Jean-Luc Vasseur. Like, everything is there. But anyway, that's just about names. It's not about, about the football. But yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see this appointment. I, I don't think he left... Leon covered in glory, did he? So it's interesting that they. That is interesting. For him. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, given what we were saying last week about this kind of transition of managers, so sort of rolling in and rolling out. And I think, you know, there was a similar situation at Spurs. Uh, we saw the transition from Karen Hills and Juan um, going out halfway through the season, Rianne Skinner coming in. She didn't have the players that she wanted. And then all of a sudden, they, they sort of finished up mid table, fair enough. And now you look, she's brought in all these players over the season. And then you start to look at the progress now that Spurs have made under her as the new management in the fresh season with her. And I think you'll probably start to see something similar, like you were saying, with Jean, Jean-Luc Vasseur. Full name <laughs> only. Absolutely. Um, where he'll get given, I suppose, the freedom to, to buy in who he wants, hopefully, next season. And then that, I think, will be the real test next season. But for now, I suppose, you just got to finish up and make sure that they don't continue to plummet. Yeah. And the table. they've got Man United this weekend, and that's going to be a really, really tough game. Um Let's not dwell too much on those losers, though. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about Brighton because they're just going from strength to strength. And a lot of talk on Twitter after the game about serious chances of them nicking that third Champions League spot. Yeah. It's kind of Man United to lose, really. I mean, I, was it was it you saying me to, to me? Someone was saying, I think it was Tom Gary on, because we were both at the King Power for that Leicester game on Sunday, Leicester Man City. And Tom Gary was saying to me, I still think City are going to get that third Champions League spot. And I was like, no way. It's got to be United. Like, like I just don't see how United can, can lose that. And he was like, no, I really think City are going to get there. I mean, do you think Brighton have a good chance of getting that? Um, I think they'll give United a run for their money, which will be interesting. Um, I think for Hope Powell, like her goal is going to be finishing above sixth, which is what they got last season, which was their best result in the WSL. Um, but I think we're going to see a bit of switching in that third spot. You know, Spurs were there briefly uh, until Brighton played. And so there was kind of, I think there's gonna, we're going to see teams overlapping each other and maybe City creeping up the table. I think it'll be interesting. Um, you know, what do I know? Because I put Everton down as third place as my prediction at the beginning of the season. I, I think so many people thought that was going to happen, didn't they? I don't think you were alone there. I think you look at what they, the players that they brought in and everyone was hyping them up big time, breaking their transfer record for Hannah Benison. Like, obviously she was only, she's only 18, but people's expectations were high. Yeah, and obviously so were Everton's. Um, and... Willie Kirk didn't, barely got a chance to kind of get his uh, get his hands on the team and kind of really mould them to what he wanted. So, um, but no, we said we were we were leaving that topic. Now we're going to talk about the high flying seagulls, um, and it's an opportunity finally to talk about Maya Letizia for me, who is so underrated in this league, and we are always singing her praises when we go and see them play. She's so consistently good. Um, she had a bit of a difficult time against Arsenal, I think. Yeah, Beth I was going to say that wasn't her finest. Her ragged. Moment, yeah, but I mean, but Beth she's Mead's, a, she's a good player. Beth Mead's running everyone ragged, to be fair. So I wouldn't kind of put that on her but she has been fantastic 
I think she's been ridiculously strong. Yeah, and, and like you said, I mean, Beth Mead is one of the best players in the world. So, you know, putting her up against her, that was only going to go one way, I suppose. And she held off. Yeah, that was a really good game. They held off as long as they could. Um, but I agree. You know, Brighton looked very strong. Letizia, uh, Whelan, Carter, you know, you've still got Walsh in goal. And, and she's been, you know, a phenomenal stalwart of the game for, for a long while. So, yeah, I, I kind of see them, um, you know, I don't see them making third spot. Maybe that's controversial. Um, but I think Spurs look very much on point at the moment. You think Spurs get in the Champions League? I, I mean, this could it. be the most ridiculous it. thing I've ever said. Um, yeah, but wow. I kind of, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna hold that there. I like that. that. I like that. Um, yeah, back to, to Brighton for a little bit, because it feels like this, the, this has been building for a little while. Everything is kind of moving in the right place with, new training facility this season. I didn't get a chance to go up there. I was invited, but I think it was my birthday. Me too. And, and I was in like, Ireland. I was off, so I was like, sorry guys. But hopefully we'll go down there at some you point. You and I, we can um, reschedule something and go down yeah, together. Yeah, we should actually. Um, listeners come. don't need to know about that. I mean, Chloe will come too. We'll make a whole day of it. Oh, cheers guys. Um, <laughs> but that, that new training facility, and I think, you know, they haven't, they've only just moved in there, so they're not even reaping the, the benefits of that yet. But I do think what Hope Power is doing with this team. They went on that record run last season. What was it? Four wins in a row. Uh, they'd, only, they'd only ever won like two on the bounce at that and point. And they, they, you know, killed Chelsea's 32 game yeah. unbeaten run. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the I think they've quietly been building something and now everyone's like, oh my God, like they're actually a serious contender for pushing into that top four. I think now what they need to do is put together a really good cup run. Yeah, but also this is an example of what happens when a club invests in a, a team and a manager and gives them time. Um, yeah, totally. which is We're not currently seeing that in some clubs, but this is what we're seeing here. Um, she knows it's a process. I think she'd spoken about wanting to get Champions League in seven years. So it was, what, 2017, I think, when she was appointed. Um, so she's she's doing all right. I think she's on course to at least be top table, I think, this season. Um, and yeah, as you say, like they're getting in these facilities. They take time to actually see those rewards and see those benefits on the pitch. Um, but they're very solid. They're always a difficult team to break down. Uh, and I think that's where she kind of, you know, focused at the beginning of building her team was getting a solid defensive team and a team that were hard to score goals against. Um, I think that's what they're doing really well. And now they're flourishing higher up the pitch as well because they've always been a hard team to break down and then kind of been a threat from set pieces, corners, they scored from a corner at the weekend and, and penalties, a really good penalty taker, Inessa Kabmug. But now I think we're seeing them be a bit more creative. Uh, Daniel Carter 2.0 She's absolutely thriving uh, at Brighton. And, and I was not concerned, but I thought last season at, at Reading, it wasn't probably the right sort of place for her because she was kind of picking up scraps. Reading loved kind of having pot shots from like 30 yards out. And it wasn't really the sort of place for her where she can get in nice areas and she's got a really nice finish. So she needs to be played in better. And I feel like Brighton's perfect for her because she's getting that supply. And with the midfield as well, with the creation of someone like her, Lee Hyun Min, I'm gonna try. That's that's not bad. I think that was pretty good. Well done. Yeah. Um. I mean, she's brilliant as well. I think there's just so many ingredients there that are, they're a really enjoyable team. Um. What What do you think is their limit this season, Chloe? I don't know. I think it's uh, it's still early days. Obviously, we're only you know five six matches into the start of the season, and the games that they've had so far, you know, they've had West Ham, Birmingham, Aston Villa. 
Um, you know, these are games that you're expecting to get points out of, I think, for a team like Brighton. So, you know, we've not yet seen them really come up against the, you know, the bigger, the, the top teams. And I think that's where the challenge is going to be, because even though you can start at the top of the table or heading towards the top of the table at the start of the season because you have good fixtures, all of a sudden you can start to see the momentum drop off when you start to get those harder fixtures come up. And, you know, they've got Leicester coming up as well. And I suppose that's going to be a game they're going to be expecting to get fixed, um, to get points from. So, I think it's uh, it's early days, so I'm 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 a little bit cautious about this. Have you have you ever worked with Hope Powell? Because I know she is a admired and also feared character. Of like, course, yeah. People are kind of terrified of her. Like she's an incredible coach, uh, extremely intense, and I think the players respect her, love her. But there is this kind of like real fear. I think that she puts into people's souls. She has a reputation. Um, I, yeah. I've been fortunate unfortunate um not to uh actually um play underneath her but i think with the players that you know i've been around uh, teammates who have played with her um and you know been 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 coached by her and they've said she's absolutely fantastic she's phenomenal the the sort of skill set that she has the strategies are are absolutely out out this world but she is intense scary (laughs) yeah i mean she's got such a great history i mean the sort of the england side of things her own club history and now going into brighton and doing things there so you know, she deserves that kind of respect, but it, uh, yeah, she's, I mean, I wouldn't want to get on the wrong side. She's revered. Yeah, that's yes. the word I'm looking for. That's the word. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how far this Brighton team can go because I think the sky's the limit, really. And I think it's really exciting to see, like you said, a club doing it right succeed. I think it's interesting how, you know, we're talking about who's going to make that third spot. We said, what, six games in. After the Arsenal win, I think it was BBC or Sky, we're asking Jonas Eideval, is this going to be like another unbeaten season? Are we going to, you know, the Invincibles kind of thing? And I think we're so used to being able to read the WSL early on. But when that's not this league. This season, I think, you know, we're seeing teams higher up the, the league and teams further down the league than we were expecting. So I think it's actually quite difficult could change so lot. early on mm-hmm. to call who's going to be, yeah. you know, maybe third spot. I think one and two, I think we could probably be confident and think that's going to be Arsenal-Chelsea. Um, or whichever way around that might be. But yeah, I think it's getting to that stage now where like you're not 100% sure who's going to be finishing where. Mm. Are we taking bets on this? No. Are we putting our cards on the table? I feel like we need to we need to say it now. I, I mean, that. I'm I... willing just to see what happens. I'm just going to sit back oh, and, you can't and watch. Sit on the fence. But I, I, th- I, 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 I know there's enough games really left for City to still claw, claw back those points because like you saw on Sunday with that win against Leicester City where they went a goal down but still had the talent on the pitch to absolutely destroy Leicester. Like, there's enough games like that that City have left in the season to to pick up points because they're just our teams that they're going to be better than even when they play badly. But there's still so many issues there that I just can't, like, look away from. It's just like my eyes are just drawn to the chaos and I'm like, how are you going to patch this back together? Um, yeah, I just saw a rumour as well. Um, Soccer Donna, who are kind of like the sister website to Transfer Marked in Germany. There was a rumour out today about the future of Gareth Taylor saying that former Barcelona manager Louis Cortez could be on the way to taking the City job, which I think is very interesting. It's also harsh. Um, Gareth's still there. This is savage. <laughs> I mean, like, what can you do? But um, yeah, one to watch anyway. You look really happy about that. Yeah, you do. Smug. Don't we, make me Gareth Taylor's nemesis because I don't think he's listened to... You did that yourself. ...or read any... I don't think he's listened to any podcasts I've been on or read any pieces I've written about him. So long may that continue because he will start to really hate me. But at the moment, 
Gareth, if you're listening, moment turn I don't it off think now. he engages in much like media. So like in, in terms would you? of reading, if you were um, in that position, would you be reading the papers and listening to podcasts? Absolutely not. Yeah, but you know, some sand. managers do. Some managers love it. Some Thrive. managers are literally like crack open a coffee. You don't really crack, crack open, open a, a coffee, coffee, but <laughs> boil yourself a tea. <laughs> Interesting. Get a coffee and like you know, straight on Twitter, straight on whatever their iPad, looking at the Athletic, looking at the Times, whatever. But I think he's someone who really does not do that. So that bodes well for me because it means he doesn't hate me. But anyway. Our, um, our old friend Phil Neville used to also oh God, read tweets and, and articles and, and would, <laughs> would call people out in press conferences. So that was always fun. Listen, we, we've done really well. It, it's a work in progress. I believe we're getting better and better with each game. I think for us now it's just consistency and uh, just keep doing our best to climb the table and... Uh, finish higher than we did last season so at this moment in time I'm really delighted Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Chloe, we've got to talk about your game at the weekend because you absolutely smashed it and you beat the top of the table, Durham. Wait, say that again. 3-1. Top of the table. What now? Durham were smashed (laughs) 3-1 by Crystal Palace on Sunday. Um, Take us through it play by play. I was getting some updates in my ear on Sunday uh, a little bit from from the scoreline. So I know you guys went 2-0 up. And it was 2-1 and it was 3-1. Yes. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was phenomenal. And we knew that we were going to have a massive battle on our hands. You know, Durham are top of the table. They've been in and around the top of the table for a very long time. They're a very experienced squad and they've got players there who've played together for years and years and years. So they're a very, very difficult team to to break down. And, you know, they've not conceded a goal for five games. So we knew that we were going to have an absolute uphill battle on our hands. But... I mean, and also I think that we were slightly, um, a little bit apprehensive. Obviously, we'd just come off the back of uh, the Watford game last week. We were kind of expecting to pick up points there. And, well, we did pick up a point, but we were expecting to, to take home the win and we didn't. So we knew that we had to go into this and actually sort of prove a point. And yeah, we did. And um, no, it was phenomenal. I think, you know, we'd executed a game plan. We'd prepared all week um, to set out certain styles of play and sort of have a look at different game scenarios and how the game might unfold and um and we did it. Yeah, we went, uh, I think, 1-0 up in, I think it was about 10 minutes or so. And then the second goal went in and we thought, do you know what? Obviously, that feels a very comfortable lead and we're quite happy with that. But one goal has the, the, the obviously the potential to change things. And, and then they took the goal back. And then all of a sudden, it's this kind of scrappy game management. We need to just make sure that we see out this result. You know, you start taking the ball into corners and things and trying to, but but we didn't do any of that. I think mm. what we really wanted to do was just sort of keep on going, apply the pressure. And in the end, we ended up getting that, that final goal in, in the 87th or 8th minute. And 
yeah, we just exploded. We went absolutely <laughs> wild. I know it was at home, so you didn't have that kind of luxury of like a bus tr- home with Nando's. But did you go out and celebrate afterwards? Did you guys go get a meal or anything? I mean, what was the vibe post-match? I absolutely can't tell you that. That's secret confidential uh, club information. What, you can't tell us if you had a Nando's? Anything. Oh, we didn't have a Nando's. Oh, my God, no. I'm not meaning like, oh, my God. I mean, I mean, what else would you get? What, what was going <laughs> now on? I'm intrigued. I, just, I was just like, maybe getting Mackie D's on the way home. That's our next feature. <laughs> what do Palace do after games? Jeez. It's, um, yeah, it's, uh, I can't talk about it. It's, um, it's very secret. Wow. Um, no, okay. no, no. We, um, we obviously, we went absolutely wild in the changing room. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we were just a lot of hugging, a lot of cheering. Music? Um, what music did you put on? Oh, I mean, I'm one of the older players now, so you just kind of let the younger players put on their something. Their, I love all of us. Ed like, Sheeran, the, or, the cool stuff. What do the kids listen to? Michael Bublé, no. TikTok. Come <laughs> on, <laughs> Michael Bublé after winning a match, you get three match banned for that. That's terrible. Christmas songs. Well, that's a hype down, not <laughs> a hype up. Was, well, I never know what they put on. I'm just got. Kind of like, it's not Michael Bublé. Is it some kind of reference. dance, like top forty dance situation? Yeah, it's got a beat to it. So, okay. just, oh wow, yeah, that sounds cool. It's sort of. I know I've given you quite a lot of information here, <laughs> um, but it's something you can kind of two step to. So, okay, and yeah. you didn't get any Domino's, Mackie D's, Nando's. Other um, fast food chains are available. You didn't get any of that in. I've got to admit, I went home for Chinese uh, oh, with my parents. Yeah, nice. so that was a special treat. Mm. Yeah, oh, I'm hungry um, now. I mean, nice. I was shattered and everyone has work on Monday, so it's, it's sort of a, a fairly low-key affair. Yeah, that's true. It's that's true. true. It's a tough. treat and then bed. I mean, Can that's I... a good way to, to look at it as well because you've got to go to work the next day. Yeah. The unique elements of the championship. Um, but you're like almost borderline pretty much full-time training as well and so many of the championship teams are now alongside full-time jobs. And it's driven the competition in the league up to an insane level. Like... When you people, we were talking, you just talking about the WSL being often a little bit too predictable. I mean, now we're looking at the top two, probably Chelsea or Arsenal, right? And one of those two are going to win the league. The championship, it is wide open. Yeah, I, I heard uh, Janice Galacci talking about how difficult it is to get out of this league. And when you think about how many teams have been, you know, up and around the top of the FAWC and they just haven't been able to get that that you know coveted spot of promotion um it makes for it really exciting league i mean and liverpool, i mean liverpool yeah. been stuck down there for a couple of years yeah. now can't get out yeah it's insane and that's the thing i guess with you know there's one spot and you get rewarded for getting top spot if you get second or third you know that must be so frustrating but it just drives teams even more um so it's definitely a league you should be watching because it is really exciting oh it's hardcore it's absolutely hardcore i mean you know like you were saying with liverpool i think everyone expected them to come down and then bounce straight back up again but you know with the quality that leicester was sharing then aston villa and um you know those are clubs that you're kind of expecting will make it into those kind of big name clubs you're expecting to go into the wsl that's what the wsl wants to see the kind of bit of a, a the opposite to the uh the, the premier league i suppose um, but I think it's been such a, you just can't call it. You just absolutely can't call it because I think, you know, you do have that mix of part-time and full-time teams. But again, a lot of the part-time teams are actually training similar schedules to the mm. full-time teams. You have the, the similar... Just not of, getting paid for it. Just <laughs> That's no, for another podcast. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> but you do have a sort of similar training schedule, similar contact time. We do the same kind of analysis, the same kind of strength and conditioning. So... I think that's probably where you're getting quite a, um, a sort of matched, um, very, very matched matches, I suppose. You know, we could play Liverpool and we're not going to get turned over, you know, 7-0. It'll be a very close game. You know that. So I think there's not a lot of games that I really see this season where you're finding that loads and loads of goals are being scored or that you really can call it. They're because, tight. They're really tight, aren't they? Yeah, they're one 2 nilers. Um So yeah, it is, it is exciting. Bristol City, a team that could potentially be stuck down there mm-hmm. for a while. You watched them 
Monday night against Coventry. Not a classic, would you say? Um, it was a hard-fought game between both sides. I mean, you wouldn't, looking at that, you wouldn't have thought Coventry were bottom of the table. Um, and you also wouldn't have thought that Bristol had just come down from FAWSL. They were fairly evenly matched. Um, it's interesting you talked about kind of that trying to game manage a 1-0 lead and the importance of not doing that because that's kind of what Coventry tried to do last night. They scored a goal in the first half, tried to kind of protect that, waste time a little bit um, and Bristol then got back in it with another Abby Harrison classic. Um, so yeah, it was, I think while Coventry were pleased with the draw afterwards in post-match, I also think they would have been a little bit, you know, annoyed they didn't get the full three points, which I think they needed. But points on the board, I think at the moment for Coventry is all that matters. This weekend, I think all the games as it's Women's Football Weekend are going to be streamed on the FA Player, which is great because yeah. I think with the Championship, it's like you only get to see sort of snippets of it because there's a couple of games that are streamed on the weekend. A couple of games sometimes just have commentary, the audio, and then you see like roundups and clips. And I find it really hard to get a sense of actual the actual narrative of a whole game because you only really see the goals or like occasional incidents, right? And it's really hard to know like, well, how did the game play out? Because all I'm seeing here is the score. And actually, I don't necessarily have an understanding of like in the league, you know, where where are the levels with each other? Because they, I think there is such a high level there at the moment. It's like, how do I measure up these sides? Like Liverpool have an insane amount of WSL talent. Like Rachel Furness is playing in the championship, which is just completely mad. Um, but you'd look at that league and be like, well, you know, Liverpool are going to be pushing for promotion. They've got Matt Beard in as a coach, loads of experience, been there before on the two WSL titles with them. And and actually, they're really struggling. Not really struggling. They're on a good run at the moment. But it's not it's not been easy. And I think that just shows potentially, you know, a lot of people have been talking about expanding the number of sides that go up from yeah. that t- division. Would you guys look to do that fairly soon? I would. I think that's important. I think I, I straight. Agree. I would. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, next Absolutely. question. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you know we were. I was quite lucky when I was with Spurs. It was the last year that they allowed two Championship teams to get promoted because it was. Man U and they were full time at the time and they were absolutely destroying teams left, right and centre. So I don't, I think they only lost one or drew one game and won everything else that season. So, you know, we were really fortunate to take up that second spot and, and go up and get that promotion. And, and that meant everything to Spurs because it just completely changed who Spurs were. We were sort of relatively, you know, not that well known. Uh, we definitely weren't in the sort of posi- that position where we could go and play the stadium games. The, the social media was good, but ever since getting to the WSL, everything just escalated. And, and now, you know, we were part of the 38,000 fans who um, attended the um, Tottenham Hotspur game for the Women's Football Weekend uh, a couple of years previously. Um, so, you know, going up to WSL, whilst it obviously does cost the clubs a lot of money, it's that initial investment and the exposure that teams will get from being up into the WSL that I think is going to be fantastic. So, you know, you're going to want to see the likes of, you know, well, not just being quite biased, but, you know, Palace, um, <laughs> Liverpool going up there. And I think it's, it's, it's the right time because I think a lot of those teams would actually give at least the bottom half of the WSL are run for their money. You know, Liverpool could play um, maybe the, the West Ham's or the Birmingham's um, and, and put on a really good shift. So um, I think it's I think it's time to expand. Also, when you actually look at Women's Football Weekend this weekend, the better fixtures are in the Championship. Liverpool playing Durham, really good top of the table game. And then Charlton Palace, little South London derby as well. So actually, I, I'm not massively... Uh, enthused by some of the matchups we've got this weekend for Women's Football week- Weekend in the WSL, but I think the Championship is, is is where it's at this weekend. Got to talk about Durham though, because the licensing thing is is always going to come into play. Spurs and Man United both went up; they both 
you know, were backed and could afford the license. With a team like Durham, with a team like London City, who are doing things a little bit differently. They don't they don't have a straight link to a men's club. They don't have that financial backing of almost sometimes like limitless. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but, you know, a club like Chelsea, they can say like Emma Hayes can say, this is what we want to spend and they'll write the cheque, you know. Um, obviously, Durham and London City don't have that luxury. They rely on local sponsorships other kind of more sustainable ways of investment, which I think is brilliant for the women's game. But if Durham were to win the title this season, there's a high chance they will not get a license in the WSL. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What do you think? Um, I think when you look at it, there, it, there's one thing about getting the money to be in the in it year one, right? So say they do get promoted and they can get the backing, they can, you know, encourage backers or funders to to get on board because they're in the WSL now. It's the problem for me with that then is how much time you're given because we've seen that with some clubs where you're not given a lot of time to find your feet in the league. Um, so you may have money for your first time out in the WSL, but if you're not getting the results, are those people still going to back you the next year if you do manage to stay up? So it's sustainability for me. Like it's one thing getting in and, and having enough money to kind of be in the league, but then to stay in the league, you know, you've got the likes of Leicester, for example, you spoke to Jonathan Morgan about whether he felt pressure, you know, and he said no, because I guess the club is saying, you know, we understand this is your first it's time. A journey, in WSL. Right? It's a journey, right? So for me, that would be my kind of only concern about, it's great that they're doing it a different way. And, and I do kind of, I have a lot of, you know... You commend them. Yeah, for, for clubs trying something different because we've seen before when a men's club kind of starts losing money, the first team, thing to go is a women's team. Yeah. So there needs to be a, a balance of being able to stand on your own but also a one-club mentality, right? So for me, that would be the one concern is how sustainable is it in a long run? How are investors willing to back a team for a journey rather than say, you're in the WSL, this is great exposure, mm. here's some money would they for year just, one. Would they just come straight back down again and then it's kind of like, oh, well... You know, is that just an example of that? It can't work. They need they would need something to be able to keep them there. Yeah, but I think it's the same with any business, if you like, is you want to see results. But when you're looking at the women's game, it's a journey across like all teams. It's a journey. So there are going to be times where you're having losses. We're seeing that even with the big teams, you'll have a couple of years of losses before you start making money back. So it's about, I guess, shrewd investment. And I'm, I don't really know what I'm talking about when it comes to that. But like, it's not about one, one year for a team. You need to be looking at the long run. And hopefully there are people out there who realise that it's something worth investing in. Yeah, because as a, as a Palace player, you would probably feel quite confident that if we got ourselves into the position of being promoted, the club, the men's club would back us, give the investment in order to win the licence. I think there's always a security that comes with having a Premier League men's club attached to the women's club. Um, and I agree, I 100% agree because I think the investment that Durham would need would be quite significant because at the moment they're obviously on part-time contracts um, I don't know how much they're getting paid um, but it, it won't be anywhere near obviously being able to support 22 players on a full-time mm. salary and you know when you kind of look at the expense also of Durham being up north they're going to have to travel, the hotel costs um, you know the stadium, they might have to move stadiums and have a look at locations, their social medias um, going to have to be um, vastly improved so you know, it, it's the it's the wider picture, and I think, like you were saying, it's a it's a case of it being a very long journey. I think 
the other risk for me with Durham is that they've had this um, a set selection of players now for, for quite a long period of time. And I think that has been their biggest success is that the, these the cool women group. have played with each other for such a long period of time. They just know everything about each other and how the other likes to play and the strategy and, and things like that. So once you get up into the WSL, what you might start to find is a bit, there's a bit of a call, as there was with Spurs. And, you know, we weren't too sure who was going to be given a, a full-time contract. Half the Half the squad were, half the squad wasn't and it completely changes the mentality and that kind of family feeling and having each other's backs on the field and, and going out there and putting in a shift because you've got now all of a sudden they'll probably have to bring in some experienced WSL player to support them in their journey up to the WSL because going up to the WSL with absolutely no WSL experienced players would be probably quite fatal um, would also upset the squad to some extent so you know it's, it's difficult and whether those players even the ones who were offered contracts whether they'd be able to leave their full-time jobs and, and want to want to do that because that's also a big a big especially when you've got players who are in their sort of late 20s early 20s um, sort of mid 20s maybe yeah actually some of them don't want to be professional footballers yeah <laughs> like, it's, that, it's, it's a big commitment and you know from my experience like when I um left Spurs obviously I had to make a call about what I wanted to do and you know I was obviously in full-time law at the time and training three four days um a week with with Spurs and you know when I was trying to sort of think about that transition I was lucky enough to be offered a contract it was for me okay, well, you know, I'd want a mortgage. How am I going to be able to pay the bills anymore? What kind of salary are we looking at? It's a it's a massive salary job. I'm going to have to sort of give up quite a lot of my lifestyle. And, you know, as a, as a late 20s, early 30s player, it's it's quite a difficult call to make. So it'll be interesting for, you know, some of the some of the women who are offered those contracts if Durham do make it to to that top spot. So there's a, it has a lot of things, a lot of, yeah, things, a lot of things to think about. All that work also needs to sort of start happening now, now yeah. in preparation for potentially that happening. It can't yeah. be the case that you're waiting until March, April, May and time. And then thinking, oh crap, how are we going to get this How are we going to sort the contracts? How are we going to sort the new stadium? How are we going to sort our social media team? So it is a big, big task. Mm. I may not know much about investment, but what I will say to any investors out there is that you should invest in women's football because the trajectory yeah, don't let, is only don't going up. No, but like up. the trajectory is only going up. So mm. it is something that is worth investing in. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to look like I'm dissing Durham. I think it'd be great if they got up there. What I'm saying is, you know, I hope someone gives Comes them really along. big backing yeah. because yeah. they deserve that. They've been in that league for so long. They're doing things the right way. Yeah, and they, mm. they, need, they deserve to be rewarded for all of that hard work. So I hope someone does come along and, and help them if they do get promoted. Something that caught a lot of attention on social media this week um, got us chatting in the WhatsApp group, to say the least, was a picture of a new advisory board that had been set up at Arsenal, uh, looking to consult with fans on a number of issues at the club, one of them being the growth of Arsenal women and women's football more generally. Um, what I think was so interesting, funny, glaringly obvious, um, unique, um, about the image that went alongside the tweet about this was that it is a 12, 12 strong board of just men. Men. What? So when you consider many things, obviously the fact that there's lots of women that like football, so this is a, a board of fans, a board of individuals, the best interest of Arsenal Football Club, men and women. There aren't any women there, for starters, anyway. And then I guess the next big thing is the fact that one of the tasks they wanted, to, one of the things they wanted to talk about was women's football more generally and Arsenal women. They didn't actually have any women there to talk about it. 
Um, it's pretty hilarious. I mean, if you don't laugh, you'll cry kind of vibes. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm really surprised because we were talking about this earlier, Chloe. Arsenal are always a club that's kind of led the way on these things. They they are quite a proudly inclusive club. They've obviously had a very successful women's team for a very long time. So of all the clubs that should be kind of masters at this and should be not being so kind of thick with their inclusivity, you'd think they would be good at it. But it's the blind leading the blind at this point, isn't it? You'd think. <laughs> I think that's the key. Um I think with Arsenal, I think it is, it's more surprising. It's not surprising for women's football as a whole, as a general. Um, seeing that kind of image doesn't shock me at all. But I think it is just more surprising because it's Arsenal. Because I always see, you know, Arsenal as being quite a progressive club. They've led the way on a lot of their social media channels. They seem to have quite a cohesive unit between their men and women's teams. Um, you know, you've got Ian Wright all up, all over Twitter, every single day, you know, absolutely shouting out, um, you know, Miedemar and all the, all the women's players. You think, oh, you know, they're... They're paving the way. These guys are progressive. But, you know, when you see an image like that, I'm just thinking, you know, not, not only is this board, this incredibly um, interesting board um, <laughs> there to discuss the growth of the women's football, but it's also there to discuss the club's work on diversity and inclusion. And I'm just wondering whether they might have missed a trick. Mm. Well, yeah. So there's one thing, right? There's a whole process of setting up that board where someone's gone one, two, three, four, twelve men. Perfect. And then you've had someone also say, let's let's take a snap. You know, this looks great. Mm. Let's put this on our chat. So there's like, it's like doubly verified of someone's there's looked at that. There's very little self-awareness. Right. There? Someone's looked at that and gone, God, we look great. We're all smiling. No one's blinked. You know, nothing appears to be missing and put that picture out there. And that's the other concerning part of it where you're like, not only have you organised that group and said, not even thought about women, you've also taken the picture and then looked at it and said, that looks exactly what we want for a diverse group of people talking Mm. about a diverse range of topics in football. I suppose things have got better recently when it comes to organising like boards in general, like inclusivity at clubs and in, in general things have changed and improved. But, I guess this is just a prime example of how there is still so much work to do because to be so to be so ignorant and not even consider it an issue. I mean, and we've seen this before across the the women's game. Are we feeling like just a bit kind of like eye roll fed up, or do do you feel like it's just an old example? But actually, you can you can look across women's football in general and think oh no actually things are changing this is just another sort of bad day at the office but more, all in all things are getting better it's a bit of both yeah it's a definite eye roll and frustration but part of me is also frustrated that when we do get improvements we, there's almost this attitude of like okay now pipe down we've given you this you know quiet down now you know we've given you more money in the Champions League final that's great so shh. well it's when the I, action isn't it I guess it's okay the, yeah the, the, the sentiment is 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 great so it's like oh you know if, if someone gets put on a board yeah that, right that's so fine. but it's like they've got, actually got to have some power to do something right true but there's all it's also setting the bar really low so mm-hmm. it's like we've improved a little bit therefore we should stop talking about it and that's not the case at all and we can celebrate when progress is made but it doesn't mean you stop pushing for more progress and I think that's and we shouldn't be and you often get this kind of you know this tag of being an angry woman or whatever that might be because you come out and say well yeah that funding or that prize money's increased and that's great but it's still significantly lower than the men's or it's still this issue still exists. And with the Euros right Euros what was it two months ago they announced that 
the prize money for the Women's Euros next summer had, what, doubled maybe? I don't know. It, it's gone up, but when you look at it, obviously it's complete, so much lower than yeah. what the men's competition has. And you're like, okay, great, thanks, but... There's still work needs to be yeah. done to improve that. So we need to... There's all, almost an element of a patronising kind of, we've given you a bone, so pipe down. And mm. I think if we're ever going to get to where we want to be with the game, we can acknowledge the progress, but we don't stop fighting. And I think that's the biggest thing. And we shouldn't be, you know told off because we're still asking for more because why the hell shouldn't we be? I think what you never really find is there's any justification for not providing more. It just It's just a case of, okay, this is what we're going to give you. I'm really sorry, we can't do this. You never get that. It's always just a case of just here you go, be quiet, walk away from the situation. I think the only positive that I can really see from what's happened with Arsenal is that it will be a bit of a kick up the backside. Now that so many people have raised awareness of this issue, there's tweets flying out all over the place about it. We're obviously speaking about it. And we might not have known if no one had tweeted the photo. You know? Yeah, exactly big up that. whoever tweeted that. Like, Absolutely. Thank you. The retweets and the likes on that have, have helped the situation because if, if anything now, Arsenal are going to say, do you know what? Yeah, we were doing really well, but actually we've missed yeah. the trick here and this isn't great. And I think is also in women's football especially, I think, there's people really miss like the concept of intersectionality. It's like in that 12 man board, it's a very diverse group of men. So it's like actually you're bringing together men from all different backgrounds together in a room. Whereas I think in women's football, we miss that intersectionality so much. It's like you get w- one woman at the top of, of a club or a one woman like leading and coaching and you're like, tick, we've done it. Whereas like there's so many other issues across the whole game that require women from all different backgrounds, yeah. women from all different walks of life coming together to solve it. And it's just like, just putting someone in that role isn't going to solve it. And we know that, like just chucking some women on that advisory board for Arsenal is not going to solve any problems. But it's it's the it's the fact that you didn't even consider that in the first place. Yeah. That is just so mind-boggling. Yeah. But I guarantee next week there'll be a new tweet out from the Arsenal board. Yeah. Look, we've brought on board Miedemar. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. So exactly. <laughs> There'll just be like one sort of token woman chucked in there and it's like right now you've got to be like the Talk for bearer. all women. You yes. must now represent all women in the world ever. And all football women. A club fans. statement. Yeah. Oh, we were going Will to there do be? this. We were going yeah. to do this. We just didn't announce it this week. This yeah. is what I want to see. Will there be accountability? Or will it be something that we just pretend didn't happen and a new tweet goes out and you just sweep it under the carpet? I think accountability is key if you really want to show that you are trying to change. We'll have to wait and see, won't we? With bated breath. <laughs> so Women's Football Weekend this weekend, we touched on it a little bit about the championship because it's a really, really good weekend of championship fixtures, all going to be streamed on the FA Player WSL, I'm not feeling kind of math- massively enthused about the, the fixtures this weekend. Most of them are at the main stadiums that they would be playing at anyway. Brighton are going to the Amex. They've already been there once this season, but they are going to the Amex again. Um, and apart from that, I think most teams are already playing where they would be playing anyway. So it hasn't quite got the same status, but you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about more on that next week. But where is everyone off to? What are people looking forward to? Anything kind of like on your radar that you're excited about? Uh, well, there's obviously London Derby between Spurs and Arsenal, which uh, I'm hoping to go to, which I'm looking forward to. I always enjoy those fixtures. Um, and I'm also planning to do uh, Brighton Leicester in the main stadium, the Amex, which is always fun to shoot at a, a Premier League ground. There's also a women in football um, event beforehand. So that makes it feel like a bit of a, a special day. So that's what I'm doing this weekend. 
Um, I think I'll probably be at the uh, the Crystal Palace Charlton game actually um, on Sunday. Might be busy. Yeah, <laughs> probably tied up. Um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to the fixture. I think it's going to be uh, a fantastic, you know, off the back of the win last week. And Charlton are doing well as well. It, it should be a nice kind of game to get fans down to. Absolutely. You know, it's a it's a South derby it's a it's a situation that you've got you know a full-time team going against a part-time team and you're always aware that you're a little bit of an underdog in those kind of situations it's against my ex-boss as well Karen Hills yes, um, rivalry so there's always a little Chloe bit Morgan of revenge a, game absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so much bitterness um but yeah it's going to be I think it's just going to be a good game to to watch so yeah watch well we look forward to hearing how it goes we're obviously team Chloe Morgan always so we're always gonna oh, always guys. gonna back you um but yeah, it's been another brilliant week of chatting to you guys. Week two, show two. Um, it's all we've got time for, unsurprisingly. I'm clearly trying to wrap up the show with this little spiel. Uh, if you've got any questions for us, tweet us at Football Ramble. And uh, yeah, please tell us how you're enjoying the show. Leave a review or like do that thing where you can click five stars. Don't do anything less than five stars. And we will chat to you all next week. Football Ramble Presents is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Fix your headphones, by the way. Well, you don't like the one if... One no, on, you've one got on. like a, a little a whole fro going oh, on. No. And I'm conscious that you'd give Why out to us Why did no one if, tell me this? Because we were in, we're in full flow, Flo. Um, <laughs> Has it been there the whole time? Yeah, for oh, the last shit. segment. But Charlie, you can't use any of those video clips, mate. <laughs> Not happening. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.